Hi, I'm Julie. I'm Laura. We're longtime friends who know a good year at Real Talk can solve almost anything. And we're transferring our skills and experiences to our new coaching practice. Whether you're making a big decision, exploring a new path, planning a project, or you just want to learn how coaching might help you, join us for our conversations on Coaching Through It. Well, we have a really important topic to talk about, Julie. We do. Alert, alert. Uh, I'm going to care front to you that I think we need care as coaches. Right. A uh, little backstory. Laura was uh, summarizing the three uh, characteristics of burnout <laughs> before we started recording. And I think we both realized that maybe it's time to start talking about what happens when coaches need coaching. <laughs> Who's going to coach the coaches is the question. Right? Um, have you ever seen the show in treatment? I was on HBO a while ago with Daniel, uh, Daniel Byrne. No yeah. Irish actor. So it's essentially a therapist goes to see a therapist, a therapist of his, like a mentor therapist. So in coaching, we could also, and do also do some of that, um, that I know of, uh, we have mentor coaches that you can work with and we have a coaching cohort, but before coaching coach training, were you ever coached by a coach? No. I had not been coached by a coach. Me neither. That was a really good question that one of my exploration coaches, clients, coaching clients asked me recently, like, had I been coached before I started coach training and coaching? And I said, no, because I didn't believe in it. (laughs) You didn't believe in it. Tell me more. Well, not that I didn't believe in it, but I think what I thought coaching was, and we talked about debunking and myth busting in an earlier episode of this season. I think I thought it was something else. Than it, yeah. what it could be. And until we got into defining and knowing about the practice, I, I wasn't sure about the value, but I think as a coach, um, it's good to go see a coach. Have you done that since we started coach training? I have, I have. Yeah. I've um, had the experiences within our training program, right. Of being coached. So we do that as practice. And then I've also been coached outside of that recently, which was a great experience. Do you want to share about that or? Yeah. I mean, like, let me tell you what I love about the coaching experience so far is that I love, or like my experience being coached is that I really love that I could come in with what I'm kind of viewing as a short-term problem Mm -hmm. and, or a short-term need and work through it. Right. Like we've, we've also talked about the differences between like coaching and therapy. And I think therapy, there's this there's a, there's a sense of like, something's wrong and I'm not sure what it is. And coaching to me, at least in my experience has been, I need to work on this thing. Like I've already identified the thing, but I just need to kind of widen my perspective on how impact, what to do, that sort of thing. And so I like that it was, um, a way to get some, get a deep dive into like a, a something I knew already existed or an issue I knew already existed. If that makes yeah. And I think it's different from going to like someone might go to a friend, uh, maybe a mentor, a spouse, uh, maybe even a, bo- a trusted boss or colleague. Right. And it's different because the coach has no vested buy-in in anything of your life. And they don't like, they get to know you and you build the rapport, but they don't really have any bias. And their perspective is like really the tableau rasa and you come in and you talk through uh, as a client, you're kind of working out, yeah, that idea or that project or that um, maybe that messy problem that you want to work on and work out. And they really are coming in 
with your agenda in mind, the client's agenda in mind. And they're going to focus on that instead of like, well, actually, I know you, Julie. And this is my like perspective and two cents I'd give you as a friend. So like, there's no way that Julie and I would coach each other because we'd have, we'd have some bias and like, we'd have some real talk. We could use coaching skills with one another and we do on this podcast. But yeah, yeah, like I think finding a coach that has does not have has an idea of who you are but doesn't really have any vested interest buy-in bias or perspective really really helps i think yeah no 100% i think that there is this element of even with the ones that we love dearly there can always be this element of not quite judgment right but um maybe an assumption of behavior right mm-hmm. i think about like when i'm uh talking to my partner and it's like well but you know, were you, did you do that thing you always do where it's this, you know, <laughs> and a coach, a coach doesn't do that. It doesn't say that to you, you know, <laughs> or is, how did you actually say that to the person? And right. yeah, it's less about the the concept or the thing or the, like people in your life that care about you want to attend to your feelings and they're always going to kind of side with you in a way. And a coach doesn't have a side. They help yeah. you look at the various sides. Like you said, like, brought in that perspective. I like that idea. And like maybe opening up that hole a bit more so you can peek through and see more, see less, see a different angle. Um, And I think it's really neat to have someone to think out and talk out these things. And then they'll like reflect back and maybe help you even reframe what you said, or you'll say, did I even say that? Yeah, you did. (laughs) You just said the following. Is this true? Or what do you mean by that? Um, It's kind of the interesting lens. What are some things you got coached on recently? Um, I've really been working on kind of like career and job stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So I think it's also been great because a coach doesn't know anything really about where I work or the people that I work with, right? So it can it it has pushed me to uh, also suspend some of that judgment, right? Also suspend some of those assumptions and that's been great for kind of moving forward and figuring out like next steps and how to approach certain problems and that sort of thing. So it's been good. That's good. I I think I've been thinking about a coach for like book that I haven't picked up in a while, a book writing project. So that might be to help me kind of work through not managing my time or procrastination, but like getting me through some of the barriers. So I think that's probably a reason why a coach might be good. So it might be, initially breaking through um, a block or and usually like a block from the client. I like, and, and as we've been coaching others, we know that like clients put their own blocks in front of themselves. So yeah, I've got a full wall and barrier between me and this book project. So maybe that could help. And I've also like you have been thinking about like, yeah, future pathways of it could be work, but it could just be other things to get on the runway on. And so future planning for whether it's business stuff that I'm working on the side. Um, yeah, there's coaches need coaches is what we're saying. Like, yeah. Where is this connection to you? I think we're both, you and I both can be very action oriented people. I think when we're ready and kind of in that space and, um, but where's the connection for coaching and self-care in your eyes? That's a good question. And this is the, skate the line of um, 
what is, uh, uh, it could be therapy. Like, so instead of coaching, it could be maybe I actually need a therapist to talk through some of this. Uh, the idea of burnout. So it was beating burnout at work was an author that came to our workplace and did a talk and shared the three signs of burnout. So it could be, maybe it's not a coach for some of these things. And so one of the areas was, I didn't check this one at the time when I listened to the that um, listen to this person talk about um, the book. It was chronic emotional physical exhaustion. So I didn't check that one, but the other ones around cynicism or sense of impact. Um, so those are things that an individual could have some aspect to, but maybe it's the work itself. And so I think a coach could help me talk around. I, I think my alignment and values with the organization I work at or the team I'm on or the work I'm doing, that could be really coachy. And if it was more, I'm just in a dark place, I definitely think a therapist would be someone to go or maybe even someone else in the social work or healthcare field could be help, more helpful than a coach. So you're right. Like it's skating the lines of your support network for self-care is a coach could be and part of it. And what I find really interesting as I've other clients come on, like, I'm glad I'm not the only support person that's helping them through life-changing things really. Right. So some of it's career, but with that comes other aspects of personal, mental family and things like that. So I think um, a support team is really what I think about for self-care. So coaching would be one piece of that puzzle. I think I hear that. And I would, um, I, I don't want listeners to think like coaching has to be career related. Cause I think we're talking about it in that context, because I think there is a space of, um, you know, burnout. Um, I know in one of our practice sessions, I talked to a, a fellow training, like coach and training about my schedule. I was like, my schedule feels out of control right now. So, it, it, and so I think it's interesting because I think for me, the line is, is it a, is it a tactical problem, right? Versus kind of like a, a deep dive into some of that emotional space. And, and I don't even know if that's the right distinction either. But when I think about what becomes coaching or what becomes therapy, because I think there are definite like self-care pieces that can fit in a coaching model that don't necessarily have to be like career or kind of work focused. Yeah. No, and maybe it's also wrapped around mindset because we carry certain emotions with us. So emotionality can still be there, and even though we think that's a therapy thing. So maybe we have a certain mindset about, um, it could be places of work itself. Like we're going to have to shift and trans- doing transitions, like mm-hmm. whether we're transitioning back to a physical office and having to commute, or we're thinking about this work from home life in a new way, or um, it could just be simple things like, I want to be a morning person now and get into a morning routine, or Mm -hmm. I think I'm, I'm not sleeping as great, but let's talk about strategies of what's your wind down. So like coaching topics, although clients will come with us, like I want to plan my ex life career. There's little nugget offshoots, like off the thread of the, the bigger goals they want to hit. But some of that is um, helping them with motivation, um, helping them follow through on things, working through procrastination things and issues. So those could be like simple little habit things. And then some of it could also be values and uh, shifting of where they're thinking about that and their mindset and their growth of that and what they want to get out of it. And so I think about coaching hitting, like it doesn't have to just be the tap and the task things, but also the things that are wrapped around it, which are sometimes feelings, sometimes uh, previous experiences, and sometimes assumptions 
that they just don't know the unknown. So I always have folks talk to me about, um, and I can, I'll say, I talk about career and job stuff. So they make assumptions about a certain type of job or a role or a company. And it's just unpacking those assumptions of what they think they know and saying, um, what would you like to know? And what would you like to know more? And who could you talk to about that? Because I think, um, it's it's mindset shifting and changing that is some of what coaching does do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I think that's, I, I also connect it to um, another, not to just connect like theories and approaches and all those things, but um, there's a concept called motivational interviewing that we've talked about maybe. And, and I think is a, a lot of similarities to coaching and it's more about the way you would ask questions or the way that you would um, kind of, talk with someone but a big piece of that is this uh something they call change talk and knowing Mm -hmm. when the person is ready to make a change and and I hear in what you're saying that piece of like coaching to me is I think someone is ready to make the change even if they're not sure how to do it Mm -hmm. right whereas uh, you know my own experience uh, with therapy before has been kind of rooted in this like I am I am at everything else is exhausted and I am done, right? Like, I don't know what Mm -hmm. to do. I don't have a way forward. I don't know if I'm ready to change because I don't even know what needs to change, you know, like kind of that level of, of help that's needed. And, and I think coaching is maybe they're the, it, it, they're ready, even if they're unsure. Yeah. And there's a level of readiness. It's funny you say that. Um, I did pick up that book that you're talking about. motivational interviewing uh third edition i was talking to a social worker i used to do contract work with uh at another org and she's a social worker clinical and she said hey pick it up i think you'd really like it and it's uh, the the conversations about change is chapter one and the quote is like things do not change we change henry david thoreau gets you started conversations about change and i think it's, uh, as my spin instructor would say on my little audio app, what doesn't change you doesn't challenge you. And mm-hmm. there are some things that coaches can walk you through. And um, I think the idea of self-care isn't getting a massage or doing yoga for people. It's actually making space and getting real with yourself. And that could be setting boundaries, mm-hmm. could be self-care or saying no, or um getting a new look at something that you haven't taken time on. And so I think that's the kind of neat thing about coaching. And now you're inspiring me to read more of this book. I haven't really dug into this, but this is um, by what Mil- Miller and Rolnick. Um, definitely a sociology textbook. If you're sorry, yeah. a social, social work textbook, if you are in that field, but it's something that we have, I don't think we have talked about it. So um, what do you yeah. like about motivational interviewing styles you've you've read some of this work I read some of it and I actually you know back in a previous life when I worked with uh peer advisors so when I was in higher ed um we would have them go through a really brief uh training so one Mm -hmm. of our uh counselors on staff the University of Washington um is an expert in motivational interviewing and so he would come in and kind of talk with them because I think the way that it um puts ownership on the individual, I found was really good, particularly in our case, we were working with exploratory students, very similar to coaching in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and so getting them to really um, ask questions about their own experience instead of kind of directing, um, it was really useful for them in those relationships. So. I think you're right. From what I've I put a tab on the section, am I doing most motivational interviewing? 
engaging, focusing, evoking, planning. And that those are some aspects of coaching that we do try to draw out um, and get to like that root issue or getting them to like focus on. So like asking them, like, what's the real problem here for you? And saying like them to pinpoint it's this and stating it and then saying, well, what, what would you like to talk about that? And what would you like to get it, dig into a little bit further? Yeah. I love that you've done that. And I think people assume that coaching is this nebulous thing. And I love that you drew it back to your peer advising peer program, because I think there are aspects of coaching that you and I have both picked up on and past life experiences, but people do this that are working and helping others and many different vocations. And so I think it's good that you call it out. Um, what are some things that your peers learned as you went through that kind of training with them and the motivational interviews? So what are some takeaways that you can recall? Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, you know, the, the, a basic one is just like how to structure a question, right. In a way that's mm-hmm. actually a question. So instead of being like, uh, well, the right answer is this, don't you think? Right. Like that's not a question. <laughs> um, but you know, when, when, when folks are new to kind of engaging in that and sort of helping role, I think learning how to structure a question is really important. So we did that. I also think an unexpected benefit, um, which I think I find as someone new to coaching is it sort of takes the pressure off to have the answer, right? Because you're not supposed to have the answer. You're supposed to ask the question. And so getting them to understand that by asking like client, I'll use client focusing though we didn't call them client, but right. Like asking client focus questions gets you off the hook for knowing the answer because they're the ones who have to provide the information. They're the ones, it has to be their answer to be meaningful, right? It has to be their perspective to really resonate and make any sort of, I think, meaningful sense for them as they think about change. Mm -hmm. Sure. We're there to guide, we're there to like perhaps offer resources or something like that, but it's got to be client focused and centered. And that I think relieved a lot of pressure for them if they were nervous about that role. And, and, you know, there are pieces, it's not all one-to-one, right? There are pieces of that role that are very transactional too, right? You're filling out forms for people and stuff like that. So, um, Mm -hmm. you know, it didn't show up all the time, but. But it's a good skill that I think we do draw into coaching. And I will say the other piece of that you remind me of is it's client driven. So we're really, um, keeping that space for the client to come in to find self-care. So I think this is why coaches get coached in our training program. A lot of our breakout sessions, we would practice a tool or asking questions or maybe a method and we do mini coaching. And then a few of us in our cohort of co-coach to get some hours and practice time. And I think it's those times that are really kind of sacred. And you and I have talked about this before is that self-care space is sacred space held by a coach. So like I might have a client come in or I might come in all flurried up myself and say to a client, I don't know about you, but lots going on in the world today, or it's been a busy one. And so we might do some kind of clearing, like we've talked about, we might do some somatic thing, like let's take a a deep breath or let's you know, give five minutes to rant about this thing that happened in the news. Um, if you want to talk about it and, but that would be you asking the client, like, how are you doing? Cause it might shift like the whole session itself. So I think what I like about that aspect of the self-care is um, a client is going to come in and uh, a coach will always be ready for whatever kind of tone comes in and then helping to 
bring them into the space and kind of level it out and or get them to a I guess a productive conversation space. If you're going to go into asking deeper questions, you want them to be ready for it or say it's not the day and be real with them. And mm-hmm. I haven't done that yet. I offered it to one of my clients that was really came in kind of emotional, but the session had helped her. And I said, do you want to just like call this one off? I don't mind postponing. Cause that's also a bit about self-care is saying you got the right to refuse here, or let's do this another time. Uh, that's yeah. this one's on me. So let's come back another time. I, but I think that's what I've been thinking about in terms of coming to a coach or a client coming to me um, as their coach is like, how do you offer that self-care for them as well? Coaches also go on vacation. So Julie and I did that recently. As yes. Well. <laughs> also go on vacation. Yeah. Um, and, and as a coach, I've been thinking about my calendar more. And I asked you before we hit record, um, like how many clients do you have? Like, I'm trying to say not to have more than like, probably five because we both have real job like full-time jobs yeah. uh, that is not coaching yeah. um so I think it's been thinking about space and calendar and like limiting certain people as far as clients um just to do quality work and making sure you, you don't feel burnt out coaching them speaking of calendaring and kind of self-care because you know we talked about I've had a lot of kind of pressure about making progress on this. And I um, realized that there was a lot of other tasks that I needed to do too. So my resolution for summertime is three to five hours a week related to coaching, but it doesn't have to be sessions, right? So that could also be reading books. That could also be, you know, doing logistics or figuring out email accounts that I'm <laughs> looking for your coach, coach email. Yeah, right. Looking saying? for your coach email. It's fine. But uh, it, I think that time bound plays that time boundness. What is that word? Time bound being time bound. Is that how I would say that? Uh, time on task you want to do for the week. Yeah. You know, like it really, um, it took some pressure off. Right? That's, it feels like a common theme for me right now. Right. Took some pressure off to be like, and, and the three hours is enough. Some, some weeks it'll be three, some weeks it'll be five and it doesn't all have to be look one way. And that's going to be enough. Right. That's a good suggestion, Julie. That's great. I have that built into, I'm still in a class right now, but I think that if you're not in a course, I think it's good to dedicate some time because I think I wrap another hour with the class to do some reading or some, some other writing or coachy stuff. So I think that's good that you've kind of set out a couple hours each week to do that. So that's good. Yeah. Yeah. What other coach care things should we think about? You're giving me some um, good ideas. I mean, calendaring is real. That's a, that's a pro tip for anyone kind of starting out, I think is figuring out where are those hours. So not just like how many hours, but like, where are those hours and keeping on top of that calendar and scheduling? Yeah. Cause they can book anywhere, anytime. So like, uh, you're like, Oh, I have an exploratory session. Great. Um, you were doing well. I think you, we talked about this in the business of coaching. You are acuity is what mm-hmm. you chose. And yeah. I do Calendly and you can choose when people book or how much each week. And so, yeah. Yeah. Coach care. Do we have any coach care resources that we're reading, watching, learning? Um, no, I think, I don't know, all my self-care has, you know, it's been more self-care, like how am I, time has been a big thing for me. Time feels like it's in another uh, turning point, if you will, now that we're kind of re-entering the world, which is a whole other topic, mm-hmm. um, whole other that. thing. So I've been finding that my focus of self-care has been kind of grounding myself and how I'm using my time. Yeah, I guess I could coach people in person is what you're kind of reminding me at some point too, which is right. kind of scary, but true. Yeah, I think I've been trying to 
listen to more music. I do I do plug into a lot of pods. So I've been trying to listen to more music and jam out and have some melodic things to get me into work other work flowy, deep work stuff. So that's been my yeah. my care. And I go to my mentor coaching. So there you go. I'm doing some meditation as transitions from uh like many folks probably like the home to office, office to home commute doesn't really exist. A quick meditation just as a way to like turn off my brain and switch before I walk down the stairs has been helpful. I do a one post it. This is the one thing you have to do next tomorrow. I was like, okay, great. There you go. <laughs> it t- you know, when you have the right to do list and you're like, I'm going to do these two things or three things today. And then whatever uh-huh. didn't happen, that'll get carried to the next day as a priority. So that's my thing. Yeah. That's good. I saw a stat today. Now we're just I, rambling. I feel like it's not a stat. It's like, it was like a bullet point in some article that was like, uh, talking about productivity. And it was like, what's 20% of the work that gets you 80% of the impact. And I, I liked that. I think I naturally am pretty good at identifying those things and do feel like I can clear my plate effectively when I need to, but I'd never thought of it in, in quantifying it right in a phrase like that before. Hey, you're catching some time back based on that phrase. So don't, don't lose that. I think I've been stacking things together. So if I'm going to do a bunch of editing of audio, I'm going to do that in a chunk. So I'm going to do like stacked and batching of things. So it's editing audio or it's writing and editing words, or it's like doing like a set kind of tasks. And so there's less switching or task switching around. So that's my, my pro tip batching. Speaking of which, I should end this episode now so I can do some editing of it. Till next time, we'll be coaching through it. Be sure to listen to the next episode by subscribing to our podcast. We always welcome comments and questions. Send us an email at coachingthroughit at gmail.com. Until then, we'll be figuring it out on Coaching Through It.